Welcome back to the Travel and Adventure Photography School podcast. This is episode 23. Thank you so much for being here with me. My name is Rar Massey and I am your host. Today, we are going to talk about a subject that some of us have likely encountered a few times. We're outdoors, exploring and traveling, maybe on a safari, and we come across a beautiful animal. Or, okay, let's be honest, it's your friend's cat in their backyard, but you still want a great photo of it. And you take that photo. And you look, and it's blurry, or dark, or really just not that interesting. Well, today, we're going to talk about ways to make those wildlife images much, much better. Taking a great image of an animal can be a very rewarding experience. But it can be very challenging to get great images. So that's why we're going to give you eight tips today to get better photos of wildlife. Firstly, though, a little bit about the person who runs this podcast. The Travel and Adventure Photography School is the educational arm of Robert Massey Photography. That's the photography business of me, your host. We are a boutique content creation firm that specializes in crafting images that speak to the heart. The art we create is often done in some of the most beautiful places in the Rockies and around the world. And you can help support this show and get yourself a fabulous piece of art by purchasing a high-quality, handcrafted art print from RaurMasseyPhotography.ca. By doing this, you are helping to keep the Travel and Adventure Photography School running smoothly and churning out high-quality educational content just for you. All right, with that being said, let's get going and talk about wildlife photography. Now, before we get into any tips, though, this is the most important thing to remember about wildlife photography. Respect these living creatures. Respect the wildlife. It can be so tempting to do anything you can to get the best photo you can. To try and get that wildlife to move or to follow them around places or to get really close to them. But it's important to not do any of that. And remember the best practices for taking pictures of wildlife. Observe wildlife from a distance. Don't approach them ever and don't follow them. If they start coming towards you, try to get out of their way so both of you don't come into contact. Never feed wildlife. Feeding wildlife damages their health, alters natural behaviors, and exposes them to predators and other dangers. It gets them to rely on us humans for food, which they should never do. Don't bring your pets with you, or at the very least, keep your pets under control. Don't put the animal in harm's way. This includes getting too close to them. Approaching wild animals may cause them to lash out towards you, and this not only endangers your life, but that of the animal. Or it could cause them to run away and suddenly run in front of a vehicle or put themselves in other forms of harm's way. Don't do that. Be respectful of the animals. They are living creatures with their own lives and their own wants and needs and desires. Your photo is not worth their life, and it truthfully isn't worth yours. So always keep these points in mind while you're taking pictures of wildlife. It can be a super rewarding experience. But this is a living creature that we're taking photos of. And you need to treat them respectfully. With that being said, let's get into tip number one. Shoot in aperture priority mode. It may sound a bit odd to shoot animals with aperture priority mode. But trust me, it makes sense. Aperture priority mode is where you select the aperture and ISO on the camera 
and the camera determines the shutter speed. There are two reasons to do this in wildlife photography. Firstly, this ensures you don't need to keep changing settings as an animal moves quickly through different lighting conditions. It's much easier than constantly shifting settings as you would shooting in manual. Secondly, this avoids your camera underexposing an image because it is bumped up against your lowest or highest possible aperture. For example, if you select a shutter speed of 1 2,000th of a second to really freeze the action, your camera may bump up against the lowest aperture of your lens and then not be able to expose the image properly. Whereas if you're shooting in aperture priority mode, you can set your aperture to its lowest setting, set a proper ESOS for the scene, typically you're going to want something in the mid-range, and the camera will take care of the shutter speed. If you need a slightly faster shutter speed, you can increase your ESO. If you can get away with a lower shutter speed, you can decrease your ESO, or increase your aperture, as you would like to. So try using your camera's aperture priority mode to give you the best chance to get the best photo you can of wildlife. Alright, going on to tip number two, use a fast shutter speed. To freeze action, you're going to want to use a fast shutter speed. Generally speaking, you will want to freeze the motion of wildlife so they aren't just a blur in your image. What shutter speed you will use will depend on the situation and the animal you are photographing. A slow-moving animal that is sitting or just slowly grazing around can be shot as low as 1 100th of a second. For animals that are walking or moving a little faster, you might need to start getting up to 1 500th of a second and go up from there. For animals that are full out running, you're going to need at least 1 1,000th, although there will still likely be a little bit of blur in their feet, so if you can get away with it, go higher. And for flying birds, you're going to want to use at least 1 over 1,250th of a second. Now these are all starting points, but they should give you a good idea of what shutter speed you're going to need to capture moving animals, and it's because of this fast shutter speed that you're going to want a lens that also can drop its aperture pretty open, or a camera that deals with high ESO values fairly well. Speaking of lenses, tip number three, use a long lens. Telephoto lenses are the standard in wildlife photography. They allow you to be a long way away from your subject and still get photos as though you are right up in front of them. For most people, a range of 200 to 400 millimeters will be perfect, although lenses do go as high as 1200 millimeters. One way to get the most out of your telephoto lens you might already own is to use a teleconverter. Teleconverters increase the reach of your lens through magnification. Most companies make a 1.4 times and 2 times teleconverter. This would mean that a 200 millimeter lens with a 2 times teleconverter would reach 400 millimeters. The trade-off is that you lose stops of light in your aperture. So a 2 times teleconverter on a 2.8 lens means the lowest f-stop you can have is actually 5.6. This is a bit of a trade-off to be able to have a lot longer reach without needing to buy a big fancy expensive lens. Because big expensive glass is most wildlife photographers' dreams but they aren't just practical in terms of size and price for the average person. Some lenses can cost upwards of $20,000. And prices like that can make it seem daunting for the average person who wants to go out there and take photos of wildlife. So a good 200mm lens and a teleconverter can really get you a worthwhile lens for animal photography. Because most teleconverters are going to cost you at most $600 Canadian. Which is a much cheaper investment than a you know, $12,000 or $20,000 lens that some wildlife photographers are using. Alright, moving on to tip number four. Get the scenery. This is somewhat counterintuitive to tip number three, but don't exclusively use a telephoto lens. We want to use zoom lenses to be able to see the eyes of an animal and get to know that animal more personally. 
but the environment around an animal can be just as important as the animal itself. Getting those context shots and those environment shots can be amazing. I have one of elephants playing in a river together that I love and was only able to get because I was shooting with a wide-angle lens. So don't forget about the world around that animal's face. Alright, tip number five, use a monopod or tripod. Big lenses can mean more lens shake, so to help stabilize your lens by using a monopod or tripod. Monopods are a great option because they are smaller and lighter than a tripod, though they aren't as stable. You can also tend to move a bit quicker with a monopod attached than you can with a tripod. One of the other reasons to use one of these two devices is because using a telephoto lens can also get quite tiring on your arms. I've shot enough hockey games and other sporting events to know that having a monopod to put that big heavy lens on over the course of a three hour sporting event is super helpful. And it just makes a huge difference over a long day of shooting. All right, going on to tip number six, autofocus. Use your autofocus and if possible, a subject tracking mode of that autofocus. Many DSLRs and mirrorless cameras have amazing autofocus systems that will grab focus on an animal way faster than you will trying to focus manually. So use the autofocus system in your camera. Most cameras also have options to continually focus on one subject as it moves around. This allows you to get sharp photos of an animal as it is running or flying, as long as you can track its movements. Each company has a different name for these modes, like AI Servio on Canon, but they all function in a similar way. And some of these modes even have animal face and eye detect today, ensuring that the animal's eye or face will be what's in focus in your frame, which is really important because you really want that face and particularly the eyes of the animal to be in focus. So take advantage of these amazing systems that will focus far faster than you can, and then you don't even have to worry about focusing. You just have to worry about making sure that animal is composed properly and exposed properly in your frame. All right, going on to tip number seven, learn about your subject. If you can get to know the animal you will be photographing before heading out, this can be amazingly helpful because then you will know what to expect while you are in the field. You can be ready for when the animal moves or when it looks like it's going to do something interesting by watching its patterns if you know what you're looking for. This isn't a necessity by any stretch, but many of the greatest wildlife photographers on the planet today know a lot about their subjects. They know exactly where they're going to be during the day. They know exactly how they move. They know exactly when they're going to be eating, when they're going to be sleeping, all those sorts of things. And that's really what allows you to get the best images of these animals. One of the other benefits to learning about your subject is you can also learn how to not interfere with it or put it in harm's way. You may be able to identify if it's starting to look agitated or if it's ready for you to leave it alone, things like that. It's important to be respectful of the wildlife and not put them under duress by you wanting to take photographs of it. All right, tip number eight, be prepared. Even if it looks like an animal has stopped, be ready. Wildlife can move very suddenly and very unexpectedly. If you don't have your hand on your camera ready to take a photo or you're looking away from your subject, you may miss the critical moment. Basically, don't get lazy and complacent. Be ready for the animal to move or do something and you can get that shot. One of the ways you can do this is by not putting your camera down or away. Keep it in your hand raised and pointed at the animal. It may be as subtle as them lifting their head in a certain direction or looking straight at your camera and that will change the entire complexion of that photo. But you won't get it if you aren't ready. So be ready. And that's it. 
eight tips to help you get better photos of wildlife the next opportunity you have. I just really need to reiterate how important it is that you respect our wildlife, their space, and not getting too close to them. Wildlife and human interactions tend not to end well for the wildlife, and our wanting to get a photo of them does not supersede their lives. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let us know what you think about the episode by leaving us a review or by sending us a message on Instagram at Travel Adventure Photo School, on Facebook at Travel and Adventure Photography School, or online at Travel and Adventure Photography School.com. And if you have anything you want to learn about, send us a message there as well. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's adventure soon. Bye for now.